people that are in front of the machines now, the complexity in the machine tools moved on. There's automation, there's robots, there's a whole pool of technology that's over the last 18 months has accelerated. I'd love to be back on the duckboard, to be honest. Welcome to today's MTD podcast. I'm in Wellsbourne in Warwickshire. I'm at the Engineering Technology Group. This podcast is all about Nakamura, one of the machine brands that ETG supply. I'm Paul Jones, the Managing Director and Founder of MTD CNC. And today I'm going to be joined by Steve Brown here at ETG. Now, Steve is the Sales Director of the company. Steve, before we get started, just important to stress that ETG are obviously the supplier of many brands of machines, including the Quasar, the Chiron, the Petra Carnegie, the Barvius machine, and also recently having acquired HK, have also 3D printers and the Mitsubishi range. So lots in your portfolio, Steve. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Cheers, Paul. Yeah, it is an ever-expanding range. Again, what we've touched on and done some previous podcasts on that we've got some new products coming out. But yeah, there's no overlap in what we offer. It's a full range. Now, we want to know a little bit about yourself before we get started. I know you've been on camera many times with us, but there's lots of people that will listen to our podcast that may not have seen you. You could class them as maybe fortunate. Steve, tell us a little bit about your background and what you do here at the Engineering Technology Group. So currently, I'm the sales director. My background goes all the way back through. I worked for a company in Coventry on the duck board then. I was then moved on to... Hardinge, where we first met Paul and I was at applications then and worked the way through the ranks through to product development. And then with the acquisition with ETG taking on Hardinge, progressively moved through different roles to where I am today as sales director. Now you're sales director, you do still get out and about with your guys. What's changed on the shop floor since the days that you were standing on the duckboard, Steve? I think from going all the way back, the guy in front of the machine used to do everything. You know, I think people that are in front of the machines now, the complexity in the machine tools moved on. There's automation, there's robots, there's a whole pool of technology that's recently over the last eight months has accelerated i'd love to be back on the duckboard to be honest would you really yeah yeah this is <laughs> great the first, did yeah. you enjoy it did you yeah like it? yeah really enjoyed it and when you look at the machine tools that are out there now and what people are investing in they're not just taking a standard machine but even the work holding is interesting <laughs> i bet you liked it because you're a pretty fun guy you're one of these blokes on the shop floor that was always up to skullduggery aren't you yeah i used to mess about a bit <laughs> and now working for mr door you know how serious he is he don't like to do anything so yeah i bet you were one of these ones when the apprentices came in it used to be yeah, you send them up the stores for your stripy paint and long your, weight, long weight, and all of the sky hooks. We had that conversation the other day. Have you ever yeah, heard of one yeah, of those? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, it's always interesting to get a bit of background. If you were to go back into machining now, you would notice massive differences, wouldn't you? Would you say the skill level? I mean, it obviously has changed, but mm. from your perspective, and I know from mine, the days where you literally did everything on the machine that we're talking about, setting up your steady on the machine, just to, even on conventional lay changing the gears and all that sort of stuff. Well, it's got easier for the guys, you know. It's like being at home now. You only have to talk to your telly to turn it over. (laughs) There's features on the machines now that you just basically have to stand there. You can come away, can't you? You can see your machine dancing away while you're at home. You can't get away from it now. It's completely different. And the parts never used to be as nice, I thought, in the old days as they are now. Sometimes I, maybe I was just not fortunate enough to be working in a, Mm. you know, in a machine shop which made really creative and nice components. In the old industrial days, the parts were never quite as sexy as they are now. Were they? No, no, certainly. And the exotic materials as well. And, 
you know, getting right into the technical cutting strategies, what tooling guys are offering. You know, there's everything to consider now. And then you really do go right down into the depths of it, don't you? When you're buying a machine now, it's not just, oh, I'll have that, it's available. It's, yeah. there's, there's a whole constraint, you know, how much does it cost us to run? Power consumption, it's mind-blowing, really, what you have to get involved in. And now we're talking about Nakamura today. This is one of the machine brands that you supply here. A pretty popular one, isn't it? Yes, yeah. I mean, we've represented Nakamura now since early 2000s. So out of all the agents, we're the longest distributor for Nakamura. It is a very consistent, growing product for us. You know, year on year, we increase market share and the forever they're bringing out new products, you know, and they're nice developments over what they've only ever created lathes. Well, I'd like to know a bit of the history about them as well. I mean, when did Nakamura start building machines? Because well, I'll tell you a story. When I used to work, um, I did my apprenticeship at uh, what was WH Allen's in Bedford, which was actually in the end owned by Rolls-Royce. We had Nakamura machines there. I would always say, you know, we used to have in-house engineers that used to go around maintenance guys that fix the machines and get it. But these Nakamuras, they just kept going. Yeah. And I think that is part of the, well, going back to the, the conception of or when they've supplied their first machines, that must have been one of their aims and they've succeeded, haven't they? Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, when you look at the history, it was founded in 1949, so probably similar to your birthday call. <laughs> uh, yeah, back in 1949. And they started off with turning centres, you know. So a lot of tool manufacturers, they start up as a company and they're diverse around and end up in machine tools. But Nakamura started as a machine tool company. In the early stages, in the 1970s, they developed a twin spindle, twin turret. So, you know, we've been using that kind of technology for many, many years. Are there all the machines built in Japan? Yeah, so the mainstream product is comes from Kanasawa in Japan. But when we launched the AS model, which is basically built on a production line, that was opened up in Korea. But they've taken the same ethos from Japan and put that into their new Korean factory. Now, it's important to stress as well while we're doing this podcast, we're actually in one of your engineering units. There's lots of activity in the background. And in fact, I can see four Nakamura machines here. I can see an AS. I can also see one that's got the fastest gantry loader in yeah. the world on it, isn't it? Yeah. Which is a three turret machine with two spindles, three Y-axis maybe. It's quite a range. It is. You, every year on year, you think, how can they possibly develop something else? But it does. Automation is a strong point now. So we're looking to integrate automation as standard. NTRX is what we've done before. If you look at that as a machine tool, it has everything included. Parts, grippers, counters, inspection, probing, and the software that goes into these machines, and the remote access. The after-sales for our service is just important. We can log into these machines remotely and see the downtime and uptime of them. What do you think is Nakamura's mantra, if that's the right word? What's the slogan that they really stand by, which they promote? It's the multi-axis productivity. If you're looking at production, if you want parts out of your machine as quick as possible, then it is Nakamura, you know? And it's the long-term game of the product itself. We've got Gordon Coates here, one of our chief engineers. He's coming up to 65 now. And when we talk about some of the projects that are coming through, we're looking at replacement machines of Nakamura's that are nigh on 30 years old. We're putting a new WT machine against it and achieving the same accuracy as something that's 30 years old. So it goes to show. So what to, would it change? The speed that it's made? Yeah, that, that yeah, must change. Yeah, it is. That basically, the footprint as well has got a lot smaller. The development, the construction of how the turrets are, are located within the machine, more tooling and software. They have their own 
productivity software is in there that we can see how many parts it's produced over a period of time and what operator and so forth. So it's got its own sort of machine monitoring within it. I mean, the yeah. controls look pretty good, but I'm assuming what goes behind it is as good as it looks. Yeah, so it's, um, it's all Windows-based in the background. So all the manuals and drawings are all integrated into the machine. So again, going back on to when I was in my duckboard days, you get an alarm on the machine, it just throws up a big red alarm. So now we have pretty pictures pointing to where the, exactly the issue is. The guys can take screenshots, send that to our engineers, and you know everybody's on the same page when they're trying to address the issue. Now, when you go into an inquiry, and maybe let's say they're not a user of a Nakamura, and you're competing against what is pretty stiff competition for you know these multi-axis machines around the UK, do you go in and if the application lends itself to one of your NACs, are you quietly confident that you've got a better than average chance of securing the business? Yeah, there's only is ever two ways that the customer looks at the project. He's either looking at cost or he's looking for the longevity and quality and that he's looking to achieve out of it. From when we've gone back of market research, as I've said before, 80% of our customers is repeat business. And our customers win work on the basis that they've got a Nakamura, not that they've got a multi tasking machine but they've got a Nakamura so for our customers it's quite a privilege to put forward that they own a Nakamura just because of what goes with the brand. And UK manufacturing at the moment is going okay for ETG? Yeah, yeah definitely I mean obviously with the latest announcement of the virus that's going around there's some elements are seeing the sales guys are going out and they're seeing some nervousness but customers that have got projects currently going through are still ongoing you know I think is the UK we're very reliant aren't we we're very strong in breaking through these barriers I think it was steady out now and in a month's time a couple of months time I think there'll be a dramatic increase in requirements particularly for ourselves mm. I'd agree now coming up after the break Steve we're going to start challenging you on the AS model I know we've touched on it but for me it's been something that's really caught my eye and I know it's been attractive to the UK market and the global market we'll talk about that right up after this break so, Steve, the AS200. Now, this machine, I think Nakamura found a real niche. Small footprint, very capable machine, a quick machine, and it has all those axes on it which enable you to make those complex parts. Been a real game changer for ETG, hasn't it? Yeah, the Nakamura, the first perception people have of a Nakamura is we can't afford one. It's always been perceived as a high-end value machine. Every machine, that multitasking machine that we bring through is specific to a project, so a customer's order. The AS is built to one configuration of specification. So that helps with the factory with production and planning. So they just build a single machine as a production line, which helps reduce the costs. So the machine itself, the entry level version being a single spindle, single turret, yeah, is built on a 1.1 meter squared footprint, which is brilliant having a 65 mil bar capacity for a nice compact Nakamura. I mean, it must enable you to break into quite a few new accounts. Accounts, like you've said before, would have purchased machines purely based on the price of them. Maybe the work that they're doing didn't negate spending a lot more money, but it enables you to then get into those accounts as well, doesn't it? As well as still satisfying yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a real good door opener for us to break that's into. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, the product itself, having a Nakamura brand name on it, gives itself some credit. Does that Y-axis make much of a difference? Do you tend to find that that, again, can be a very attractive piece of technology to offer? Yeah, definitely, because we've actually put the AS into million applications where the customer's probably got a VMC with a fourth axis and it's got a high production job that's going through it. 
because of the power that we've got on the AS, we've actually put in a turning centre to challenge that milling range. So the power then, you've got, what, plenty on the turret? Yeah, obviously it depends upon the application, but because of the footprint of the machine and the bore size of the component, there's not a machine out there that's got the capacity versus footprint of the AS. And do they come equipped with all the bells and whistles on them? We say they're competitively priced, which I know they are, and I see a lot of them around, but do they hit the deck with all these features and options as standard that you'd expect from maybe... A- yeah, when we always quote these machines, it includes your swarf management, Obviously, filter mist is a mist extraction is an option, but it comes standard with all the conveyors, probes, parts catcher. We put a tooling pack in there and a supporting and training package. And if you went for one of the most basic configuration machines, let's say you do have turning centres with fanat controls in your shop, can you just take programs off of other machines and feed them into that? Is there many changes that need to be made? It's a fanat control. So, yeah, the standard G-code fanat language will drop straight in from any machine tool. You'll always have some minor tweaks. We have different M codes, which are the machining functions, to change. But our technical guys have some cute software that we can use to quickly change over programs from different level of models of fanat controls. How many would you think you got out there at the moment of these ASs? Well, that's a leading question. I mean, there must be a lot. I mean, I remember looking at one that probably about four or five years ago. It might have even been a bit longer than that, actually, that they've been I out. I think it's six years ago. We launched it at Mac. We had a robot on it. I bet we've got about 70, 75 out there in the marketplace. I was going to say, and I would hazard a guess that it's probably gone better than you maybe would have hoped for or yes. even expected. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the product itself is fantastic. I can remember when it's Sounds like a sales pun, doesn't it? But when we was at Mac, we launched the products and I think everything that we ordered through then at Visaging that would last us six months, we sold on the back of probably three or four weeks after Mac, which is sounds a bit of a cliche really because everyone says they do best Mac <laughs> and so forth. But honestly, we did do well and the product's taken on from there. I think with the increase in, if we call it a standard machine, it is backed up the growth in the complex machines as well because where we may start off with an AS inquiry, once we start to look at the customer's portfolio of all the products that they offer, we then upsell them and move on to a twin spindle, twin turret. And this is what fascinates me as well. I mean, you mentioned to me earlier today that the WT-150 is the most popular machine that you supply, which is a twin turret, twin spindle machine. I would ask the question that has the AS eroded any of those sales, but by the sounds of it, it, like you say, it hasn't. You've maintained strength on both pillars. Yeah, well, I'd put it down to that as an increase in the WT because AS, like I say, enables to open the door and then it's our job to offer the customer the right machine. We never go in and try and offer the cheapest solution. We try and give the customer the right machine for them. If a twin spindle, twin turret gives them more capacity, and helps take their business to the next level. And then that's what we're looking to provide. And then another machine we've looked at here, taking it up another level, the NTX. Now, this machine, just to describe it, and you may have to shut your eyes if you're listening to think of this, you've got two turrets, two spindles, and then you've got your B-axis milling spindle in between those above the spindles, haven't you? So we've got two machines here that can also be serviced not only by their turrets, but by the B-axis as well. That's a hell of a piece of kit. It is. I think when people think of an Akamura, that's the type of machine that they have in their mind. But if you take that machine now and what we're doing to the machine with double bar feeds, double conveyors for exiting the workpiece, probing for in-cycle probing, you know, the demands that our customers are putting onto it is a customer's market at the end of the day. They give us all of the requirements that we have to, like your scope of work that we have to meet and sign up to. You need a lot of engineering 
expertise to manage a project, for example, with a machine like that, don't you? Because yeah. you will be assigned contractually to hit certain tack times, cycle times, productivity rates. And in order to achieve those, once you've signed on that dotted line, you've got to be pretty assured that what you're yeah. predicting is going to come out right. You're successful. The sales department is carved into three. We have our sales team, and then we have a pre-sales and a post-sales engineers. And that's crucial is the engineers part. So all the way through from receiving the drawing and the inquiry, the engineers are included in from the beginning. That same engineer basically takes the project from the cradle through to the grave. So they start the project, they finish the project. They're the ones that are delivering it. They work alongside the sales guy to make sure that both parties get exactly what was set out the scope of work for. And do you think when you look at an animal like that, NTX, that there is potentially accounts out there that might be running a project or a set of components on three, four, five different machines, and they could incorporate all of those particular products onto one machine mm. and do it all lights out is that yeah, the sort of area is that your target we have we can't mention names for obvious reasons but this time last year we had an inquiry for an existing customer that had an auto door so they contacted our spares department and they wanted an auto door fitted onto the machine so it's a key account of ours so i followed it walked it in and said you know talking about various machines number of auto doors 12 months later that auto door turned into a multi-million pound project where they had two machines, a robot, we've got CMM in there, we've got wash stations and so forth. So it really just goes to show that once you get in front of the customer and start talking about bigger picture, the payback for them is beneficial. As industry evolves and technology and automation take hold, one of the things that I know a project, it might even be the one that you're talking about, is where you actually, the automation isn't just about feeding the machine, but it's about doing everything that goes along with it as well. It's about, like you say, measuring the component as well, taking it off the machine, moving it to a measuring station, maybe changing the tools in the ATC, maybe changing the work holding as yep. well. Is this all the area that you see now that the Nakamura brand, amongst your other products, is really starting to set yourselves apart? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're really excited. It's a challenging project that we've got on for this year it will take us 12 months to deliver what we need to deliver but if you can imagine the customer will get an inquiry and when it comes through to an order for them they will scan a drawing that is it that's all they will do then the whole cell that we're delivering will take over it'll pull in the material the tooling from a tool library it'll inspect it wash it deburr it how reliable will all this be is there not any concerns in your mind that if one of these processes falls over mm. it must affect everything or is there redundancies within it that can protect that from happening how far does it go well the key thing to all of this is partnering up with the right people as you can imagine and appreciate in the size of the project there's a number of partners and suppliers that we've brought into the project that are all on the same board as us it's going to be a great marketing tool for all of us really but the key one is to get the customer involved so at no point through the project if we alluded to them they should be doing this we've guided through it and gone down the same path together in fact delivering a turnkey is a lot easier than delivering a standard machine delivering a turnkey we have a contract together they know what they're going to get we know what we need to deliver and they know what they need to do as part of this as well. So they have to adhere to their Yeah, exactly. You know, so there's no grey areas. You tick all the boxes. We're a happy supplier. We've got a happy customer. How important is it to bring these machines in stock? Not necessarily the NTX, for example, but some of the other ones we've mentioned, the WT, the WY, the AS. Is the UK market at the moment, I need it and I need it tomorrow? 
Definitely. You know, if you look at it from a perspective of forecasting, I need to go cap in hand now to Mr. Doyle for ordering new stock. If you wind the clock back three years, I'd say 70% of our stock was commodity and the rest was what we call our turnkey machines. It's quite the opposite now. All our machines that we have in stock are all multi-axis, twin spindle configurations, high technology. We've got a Bavius over in the corner in stock. It's over a million pounds worth of machine. Customers now, when they come on with a project, they want it delivered and they want it tomorrow. And that's a bit of an analogy in a sense, but could you, if I wanted that AS that's sitting out there now, is that something if I came to you, I'm not going to tell you I've got one, and for God's sake, don't tell Martin either because it would be knocking on the door, but if I wanted it in my workshop tomorrow... Is it as quick as that? I mean, realistically, how long would it take to get a machine in? We can turn a machine around in two weeks. So we have time for the machine sitting on the water. So we order all the consumables up front. We've partnered when we forward order with all our suppliers. So as soon as the machine lands, we have all the kit here. The time that takes to turn a machine around is the engineering side. So if a customer wants us to run a part for six months then obviously it's going to affect the delivery. But majority of our machines that are sold are all sold on the water. What about your team, Steve? We're going to kind of begin to wrap things up here now that the team of guys that you're responsible for, not just selling the Nakamura's, let's open this up a bit. They got a pretty good job based on what you can do here as a business. Yeah, I think they've got an easy job, to be honest. I don't know. <laughs> Let's hope they're listening. Yeah, I don't know why they find it difficult. <laughs> but no, so where we're based up and down the country, when they do walk into a customer under ETG, they've got an armory of products. You know, we generally don't walk away from a customer without even putting a quote in front of them because we do have something to put forward. And Nakamura is one of our strongest turning centres. And is the reason that you've got no hair as a result of the fact that you take all the stress and strain away from them? No, I think it's prepping myself for these podcasts and videos that I have to keep doing with you. Um, I'll shave my head to make you look better. Or is it because of how you go lightning through the swimming pool? Because, you know, let's take a step back. Steve Brown, when you are away from the business, what's the leisure activities? Leisure, well, yeah, so you've touched on it. I like swimming. I do a lot of swimming in the mornings. That's how I de-stress myself. used to be cycling, but I can't find the time for that now. (laughs) Touched on a bit of football when I think we beat you. Yes, we did beat you in the uh, five-a-side. Yes, we did. Oh, yeah, you did. We were only machine tool companies to beat you. Yeah, Um, correct, you are. Yeah, You've not challenged anybody else since then. No, we're now holding the trophy loud and proud, so we needn't. Maybe we will in the future. What's your next sporting event? We were thinking about doing some athletic-based events. I'm not interested um, in that. So we were thinking about doing a 5K run, but there was only one or two within our business. That's just because that you're be good at to, running. There was only, yeah, as I say, one or two that would be able to do it. We were going to have an eating contest. Go. Yeah, a cycling contest, which would be probably Mark, yeah. and then a little bloke contest. <laughs> yeah, well, Gio would be all yeah, right. He'd be the winner of that, wouldn't he? Um, but yeah, more sporting fixtures to come in the future, and I'm sure we'll take on you guys again as well, Steve. But it, won't, it, it won't be in the swimming pool, I can promise you. Thank you very much for allowing us here today. It's been fascinating to learn a little bit more about Nakamura. It is really a brand that has taken shape since you've had distributing rights of it back in the early 2000s, and long may that success continue. Thank you very much for joining us, Steve. Thanks for coming, Paul, and look forward to the next one. Thanks for listening to the MTD podcast. If you found value in this episode, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. Find more episodes on mtdcnc.com.